You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 54. Episode 54. So, have you been doing a lot of playing playing of the poker this week? I've got some... I guess I didn't play a ton of sessions, but I played a few sessions. But I had a very interesting, I guess, maybe not poker hand, but poker situation happen at the table. Oh, really? What kind of What kind of situation was it? Well, I guess let me... Uh, I guess I'll tell you what. So when I first started earlier in the week, I went and played a session at um, Paramount. And as we've always said at Paramount, it's a very, I guess maybe not, it's a very beginner friendly kind of game. Is that kind of how you would describe it? I would say in Houston, it's probably the most beginner friendly game that I, I mean, as far as like the low limit tournaments, it's one, two, uh, it's more like, I think a more relaxed uh, atmosphere than a lot of other places. So yeah, I think uh, I think in Houston, I don't even think there's a close second, really. Okay, I guess we'll just get right into the situation before I go over the hands because my my hands were not that interesting, but the poker the the situation was more interesting than the poker hands. Okay, go for the uh, let's see, hit me with the situation. Okay, I guess let's first go over the rule that happened last time. We both were there. So, in PLO, you have to expose all four cards. Yeah, and this is this is something I would like to see the dealers reinstate during the game a little bit more. Because I see, I see it happen at Paramount a lot, where someone exposes two cards, doesn't know any better, or something like that, and everybody's just waiting, or... The dealer's not supposed to say anything about them exposing the two or anything like that. So, yeah. Uh, and if you don't expose the other two and they might, you muck their cards, it's a dead hand. So, I just I can't believe I've never, whenever I first started playing PLO, never ran into this as a very new player. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, well, I don't really. I don't. In all honesty, I don't remember when I actually realized it so it's only it's kind of hard to say yeah well okay so so basically we're playing a plo hand there's a player who's there who i mean he bought in for maybe a hundred hundred and fifty dollars and he's run up to maybe like 200 and let's say 60 right okay and you can tell just by the way he's stacking his chips and playing that he's um he's probably he's played before but you can tell he's very new Okay. He's playing tight, but he's playing new. And, you, and like, I'm watching him, like, with his chips, like, after he won that um, maybe, like, an $80, $90 pot, like, looking at the chips, like, whoa. Like, these are, you know, a lot of chips here, guys. Oh, I remember that. I mean, when I was, I remember when I was super new, even winning, like, 40 and $50, I was like, oh, God, this is insane. <laughs> right. So, I, I kind of, you know, I saw him looking at his chips, like, um, taking a mental note. He's like, wow, got a lot of money here. Then this pillow hand happens. I fold. I'm trash. Um, but basically, the moral of the story is he ends up with the nut flush, and the other guy ends up with, like, the king eye flush. A lot of flush over flush situations. But so the new player, he turns over ace, queen of diamonds. 
the other player turns over all four cards and is showing them. And I'm watching the other player, the new player, with his cards down. No one's saying anything. Everyone's looking. And he did the thing like where he kind of flashed his cards, but he didn't table them. So that doesn't count, right? Where he kind of like showed people but didn't put them on the felt. You mean the other two cards? Yes, the two that um, the ace, the ace of diamonds and queen of diamonds are on the felt. Okay. Dealer has those. He had at the time I thought it was either pocket sixes or pocket nines. Those are still in his hand. Okay. So everyone's kind of waiting for him to turn over his cards. Everyone's still kind of. I mean, one minute goes by, two minutes goes by. We're still looking. You know, people are waiting. I, the dealer and I, he turns over his cards. So the ace and the queen of diamonds are in on like near the board okay. in front of him. He turns over his cards, lets them go completely. So now they're tabled. Okay. I see them. The dealer sees them. We make eye contact that he's tabled the cards. Mm-hmm. He picks them back up and holds them. I mean, once those cards are tabled, they're tabled as far as I know. Right. Yes, so I'm thinking, okay, we're good now. I saw him, dealer saw him, we're good. Right. He keeps them down. Then the dealer ends up calling his hand dead or saying that, you know, puts him face down. Then I already know. We got to call Floor. Floor comes over. They say, you know, he the player who's had the king I was saying he never turned over his hand. Um, I win the pot. I said, all right, I'm about to pull my inner Clint out and just, like, here we go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I know you're one who just loves getting involved in these type of situations. <laughs> I wouldn't say love getting involved. I feel like it's my responsibility. Although, God almighty, it's kind of like gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. Yeah. I would consider you maybe like the trash can Batman of the poker table. <laughs> but, but um I'm like, all right, here we go. Cause I know that this player, he doesn't, un- he doesn't know what's about to happen, that, that they're going to take the pot from him. And this was a pretty big box was a three way all in. Right. And this it's, was, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a new player, I mean, all you know is like you have the best hand and I mean, there's, you, yeah, I can see where you probably did not, understand exactly what well if he didn't understand enough to actually table his cards and just leave them he definitely doesn't understand probably what's about to happen here so the four comes over and the player who did not by all by all means the player who had the other flush did not see him turn over his cards but i did the dealer did okay so the other players not really not really being a dick as in far as as far as far as when trying to win a pot that he shouldn't win at all. Right. I'll get into that a little bit more because he, he ended up being pretty cool about it. But I guess the situation that made him so mad was that I guess he was involved in a situation earlier where he didn't turn over his cards and lost the pot. I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, it, that's fair if he did not realize that that other player did turn over his cards and let them go. Right. So Okay, so I'll go back. So four comes over, everyone explains... And then no one says that they, the dealer did not say that he saw his cards and tabled them. So I said, okay. So I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. He flipped over his cards. He fully released them face up on the table. I saw him. The dealer saw him. His hand is live. 
for sure shouldn't have been mucked. They said those are his cards in the muck because they weren't in the muck. They were next to the muck. Right. He says, okay, well, if he never turned them over, what cards does he have? So I said, okay, he either has pocket sixes or nines, and he had six nine. So they were like, okay, that's fine. Because, you know, I mean, they were okay with that. So they said, okay, so I did see him. Um, and then once I spoke up, the dealer spoke up. What did the dealer say? That, yeah, he thinks he didn't see his cards. And then the player to my right was, um, the player to my right seemed like he was more hesitant to get involved. But once I made such a point that I saw him, they were face up and he fully released them. He did not, because the other player was making the case that he had them in his hand and was just showing us, but that doesn't count as tabled. So I said, he fully let them go when they were face up on the table. And then he picked them right back up and turned them down. I mean, very weird to release them on the table and put, pick them back up and turn them down. But, I mean, yeah, you're I mean, 100% right. It's a good thing you're there because it sounds like this pot is getting dragged to the wrong person if you're not saying something. Well, it just seemed like the guy who was involved in the pot did not understand what was going on. And everyone else didn't want to say anything because the guy who wanted who was saying that he didn't turn the cards over was pretty um, pretty animated and, you know, was getting pretty hyped up about it. Yeah, that's... I mean, here's the question. Is the other guy who is saying he deserves the pot, is he kind of a newish player too? Maybe, but here's the thing. He was saying that he's not even saying... He was... He didn't really put much of a big stink that he should get the pot. Right. He was kind of just saying that the guy never turned over his hand. And I don't know. He he really wasn't making it. He kept saying, I'm not really trying to claim the pot as my own. But he didn't turn over his cards. And then they actually went back and checked the tape and saw that he turned over his cards. Right. But I told the four. He 100%. They're right in front of him. He turned them over. Let them go. We all saw him. And he turned them back over. And they went. They saw him. And everything was okay. Right. That's, uh, let's say, good thing you were there to kind of, you know, get involved. I mean, and this is why as a player, you if you realize the pot is going to the wrong player, not only are you not supposed to not say anything, it is your responsibility to say something. Once the cards are tabled and you watch a pot just be dragged to the wrong person knowing full well that it, you know, it should go to the other person. I mean, like I say, it's all the table's responsibility at that point. I mean, once once they're tabled, it's different if someone's kind of half-assed, not sh- just half-assed showing people and not, you know, not tabling their hand. But once the hand is tabled. Right. So a lot of people say things like, it's the dealer's job or you're not in the hand, you shouldn't say anything. But I, we both agree that's just not the case. I, and I, I mean, this is one thing that I am not real happy with. And I will say, I'm going to paraphrase this, Paramount literally was one of my favorite uh, poker rooms. But when I stepped in, and, you know, if a hand is tabled, there's a couple times I've caught it going to the wrong person. And I've, you know, stepped in, made sure, I was like, well, there's, there's a straight that was missed, or a flush that was missed, or something like that. Only after the hand is completely tabled. And then they're like, oh, okay, thank you, and all that. Well, the other player that is missing out on the pot has gotten very heated with me several times. It would have been nice sometimes for the dealer to be like, no, like once the hand is tabled, 
it's everybody's everybody's you know job to kind of look at it and everything. Because I tell you what, never gotten backup in this situation ever from a dealer. I thought I gave you backup one time at Paramount. Well, I think you did, but I mean, I'm, I'm talking about specifically from the dealer. Okay, but here's the case maybe for the dealer not giving you backup. I have a different theory of what I think should maybe happen. Okay. The dealer is working for tips, correct? That's true. I mean, you and I are not the guy who's tipping $10 a hand, $5 a hand, stuff like that, right? Don't know if we're worth sticking up for exactly, but that's not the point. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <Right>? I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I thought about that too. I mean, if I'm going to die sticking up for someone, it's not me or you, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but you don't want to get in an argument with a player who's a regular there who tips you, you know, plays three times a week, right? And it's probably a better tipper. You know, if they're a recreational player, they're a better tipper than a player for profit, correct? Correct. Okay. So what I think, what the route I would go if I was the dealer is if they hear the argument like that kind of going on, call the floor over just briefly, explain the situation and just have the floor reiterate how is everyone's job? You did the right thing. If anyone else sees something, say something. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it does. I mean, it, 100%, it does put the dealer in a weird spot. And like you say, when the dealer is working for tips, it's kind of a, a tough deal. But, cause, but I mean, like, especially when it's a, a table full of new players, because a couple times it's been new players. And you, a lot of times it's like, Half the te- half the players are, you know, they're you know obviously the t- the player that wins a pot, he's on my side usually, <laughs> <laughs> but in a, you know a couple other players, but there's a lot of there's a lot of players that just don't know that I mean just bl- there's a lot of players that believe that I am doing the wrong thing. I will say that I way more than you would ever expect. And to be fair. The guy who I said the guy tables card and made that whole big thing, he was upset not with me, with the floor, right? The player who won the pot thanked me for because he I don't even think I still don't know if he knows that they were about to take the pot from him. He thanked me for sticking up for him. The player waited. They went and checked the cameras. He went and asked the people if uh, the guy who checked the camera with the floor guy if they could see it. He said, "Oh yeah, we could see it." He said, "Oh, well, I just missed it then. Sorry, guys. You know, if he tabled it, it's fine." I mean, it actually seems like the other players actually fairly cool in this situation. Oh, he was very cool. That's he was just upset, I guess, because maybe it sounded like earlier in the week he had a PLO debacle where he didn't turn over his hand. Well, and I mean that's very fair. I mean, I can see. Here's the thing: I think as an experienced player, if this happens at like Paramount or something, I'm probably just telling the person to flip over his cards uh, because if it's a new player or something like that. But if it's two fairly beginner-type players and it's just happened to that other player, I mean, I can see where he wouldn't want to do that, though. Right. So, I mean, end of the day, everyone was cool. The guy, he didn't want to win that way, and he made a point about that, but he also wanted to make a point that the same situation happened to him it didn't work out so great for him. So now that he's on the other side of the card, he wants to see kind of how the how it would play out. Which is very fair. I mean, I mean, de- definitely sounds like that guy could have been, you know, was actually handling it fairly well for what the situation was. And he probably wasn't as new of a player as 
I said earlier, not kind of thinking back on it. He was probably a little bit more experienced. And whenever I left, you know, he said, you know, nice playing with you and all that. So. Okay. Well, that's really good. I mean, like I say, I'm glad that he, he, he took it, you know, well, I'm glad that the guy who actually won the pot, won the pot. I, like I say, I, I would like to see the dealers kind of reiterate, like in these games that you just, it's very, I don't know. But I guess it's kind of tough to put more responsibility on one poker room than the other because of the, you know, the type of players it draws. I mean, because here's the thing is if I'm saying, you know, over there, the the dealer needs to be like, well, you need to see, show all four cards like like once every four or five hands. I mean, you can't put that responsibility there and not everywhere else. So I guess, I guess that's just, you know, you got to learn yeah, learn with experience and everything. If you lose a big pot, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> well, that's true. But, um, well, I just, I hate the thing to where people are like, one person turns over two cards, everyone's waiting, waiting to see if he's going to turn over his other two cards and playing this weird game of like, everyone's like sitting there waiting, but no one's saying anything, but everyone knows, but one person doesn't know, but we're all sitting there kind of like, he has the best hand, what are we going to do? Super annoying. Yeah, it's super annoying. But I feel like I feel like ever saying anything in that predicament is overstated. Unless you're the player who's you're the only, only other player that's heads up. Anybody else that is overstepping the bounds. Hundred percent. But I just there has to be some sort of middle ground to you know doing that weird charade and then. I mean, I don't even know the rules in. You know, I haven't really played that much PLO, so I don't even know the rules on how long do you wait until that hand is considered dead. I mean, if the player still has his cards, how can his hand be dead unless he give them to the dealer face down? That is a very good question. I think that's kind of a... I will say, like, the dealers there seem to... They seem to almost give hints, right? I mean, because they'll be like, well, two players... Like, I've heard, like, uh, some, you know, play, like, the two cards exposed. So far, this is the winning hand. And, you know, the other player's like, huh, or whatever. I mean, I've seen, like... I'm not sure. It seems like a very subjective rule, right? Well, I, I like when they say you need four cards to win. Yeah. Like, the dealers will say that. You need four cards to win, and that seems to normally give a big enough hint. Do they say that in that situation? I mean, I, I just, I'm just trying to think of the exact uh, what happened in those The situations. dealer did not say it in that particular situation, situation, but I've heard them say it before. I mean, no I mean, one wants to win a, a pot like that, right? I mean... I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm hesitant to say what they should do here without really, you know, that's above my kind of knowledge, grade, yeah, my yeah. knowledge base. I mean, I've uh, I've never I've been a professional dealer before or a floor. I mean, I know a lot of rulings just from playing for 15 years. But that being said, that's that's a tough one. I would love to hear from, like other other people's opinions on that. Yeah, because I mean, I don't like the charade, but at the same point, I don't know the real rules either. So I can't even give a good alternative to the the current situation. Yeah, it's a very awkward situation. But again, yeah, I don't know of what you could do in that situation either. Uh, let's say it's uh, 
you're constantly going to get into kind of these weird situations. It happens literally everywhere. Uh, but I always want to see the person who really wins. I, I hate to see someone win a pot on a technicality. It's going to happen. It's poker. It's 100% going to happen. But I'm glad, at least in that situation, you know, the the player got the pot that he wanted. Because, one, if that's a new player, and he loses that way, that could kind of drive someone from the game, right? 100%. I mean, I would not want to come back. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm not even saying it'd be wrong. I'm not saying it'd be wrong on the dealer. I mean, I'm saying more or less if that guy, if he had not tabled his cards, if he had just like been like, well, there's two cards and like mucked them. Uh, I mean, it's not wrong on the poker room, not wrong on the floor, not wrong on the dealer, but it would still leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth that you know they're like, well, what happens when I win next time on some other technicality that I don't know. I mean, it's why I really like to see new players, like, start out in, like, these, like, cheaper tournaments. But, you know, everybody's got to learn at some point, and that's just kind of, I guess, they used to they used to call it, what, like, the tuition, you know, for poker. Absolutely. I mean, it's very difficult to talk bad on the current um, way things are done without giving an alternative. Yeah, 100%. I mean, so, I, mean well, I, I guess just whenever you're there, I guess you can say... I guess you really can't say anything. I guess, well, I don't really, what were you going to give as a suggestion? Oh, not really. I mean, it's a tough situation. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, but like I say, I mean, I'm glad there's at least a poker room that is kind of caters to the beginner players. I mean, you can play one, two and all that. So it is for less, you know, for less money and stuff at the beginning. So that I like that, but yeah, that's, I don't know. Those uh, situations are, just going to pop up for newer people, I think. It just is part of the game. Absolutely. Um, I guess let me go over some of the hands from the session, though, because um, let's see. Because I did actually play some hands. <laughs> I was thinking about this when I was, uh, whenever I played it. I was like, Clint's going to hate this hand <laughs> whenever I played it. <laughs> um, I have three, four of spades in the straddle. I make it 20. Uh, how many... How many? How many people uh, called the straddle? I believe it was um, three. Mm, okay, yeah, I'm not. Well, I'm not loving this because if it's a straddle for what five at Paramount? Yes. I just don't think anybody's folding, and you're just doing with a worse hand. But and you're just getting building a pot with a worse hand. I think usually. Uh, I think I like a call here, but I mean, it's still fine. I, I think if I, I think if you do raise here, I think it's got to be bigger to at least maybe sometimes take down the pot though. Oh, sorry, I misread. I miss. I'm, I wasn't in the straddle. It was a straddled hand that I opened at twenty. Oh, you opened here. That was my fault. I misread my note. I'm sitting here looking at my note, scrolling. But yes, I opened at twenty. Oh, if you're in somewhat later position, I don't mind this then. Yeah, so okay. I opened a 20, got two calls. Okay, oh. so now it's um, 60 in the pot. The flop comes ace of hearts, five of clubs, six of clubs. Oh, this is a great flop for you. I mean... So yeah. it checks to me. I'm obviously betting. I bet 55. I get jammed on for 132. Total, the next guy jams for one fifty. 
total. So it's a hundred dollars more to me. Uh, okay, so you are. It was Ace Five Six Two Clubs. Yes. So we gotta assume maybe somebody has a flush draw here. That's two of the two of your outs. So you're really looking at six outs. So about twenty four percent. But you already have 60 in the pot. He goes for 150. And, I mean, they could just both have an ace in which you're at 32. I think I'm just calling. I ended up calling. I only run it once. Um, Brick, brick for me. So I end up with four high. Shocker, not the winner. Um, The guy has ace five. The other guy has ace six. Oh, wow. What monster. But, I mean, that means you're... You were very live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you're at 32%. I mean, well, that's a good call then. I mean, at that point. I mean, if you're at 32%, you're getting 30, you're getting over over that just on your call of their calls, much less what was already in the pot. So, that's fine. I mean, that's just going to happen. I mean, I feel like you have to bet that 100% of the time when you raise for 3-4 suited, you have a ton of aces here. And, you know, also open-ended. I like the way you played that, actually. Nice. Well, that was the first bullet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out well, but... Um, and then this was the second hand. I have ace-queen. I make it 30. I get three callers. The flop comes queen-10-deuce-rainbow. How much are you betting here? 120 in the pot. 120 in the pot. I'm probably betting just a little less than half pot. I bet 75. So you went a little more, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a rainbow. It's a pretty dry board. A lot of times, you know what? That's fine. Because everything that's going to call my half pot, like my less than half pot bet, is probably calling your over half pot bet, and you're getting better odds. That's actually That's actually just fine. I get two callers on that $75 in this 1-2 game. Well, I mean, you got to think, nobody's folding a queen. Nobody's folding king jack. Nobody's folding, you know, jack nine. So, uh, yeah, I can kind of see it. The turn is the three of spades, bringing the complete rainbow. Checks me again. What are you doing here? I mean, depending on your stack size, I might be jamming. Oh, good. We're all on the same page. I make it 200. Um, one guy folds with for less, like he had less than 200, but he folded. The next guy goes all in for 240. Obvious snap call. Right. Um, the river pairs the three. So it's um, queen, 10, deuce, three, three. That's actually a great card. Well, well no, it doesn't change that much. Yeah. Um, he just had a lesser queen. Yeah, that's a that's what I feel like on on that. That's why I I kind of reiterated when I said I go. It was such a dry board. I was thinking of a less than half pot size bet. But if a queen's calling a bet, a lesser queen's calling more. You should probably be betting more. Um, like I said, the hands weren't overly interesting. Um, that was it. I ended up squeaking out. This was one of those nights, especially that. I really did not feel like playing. Um, I had worked the night before. I had worked the overnight. Didn't sleep that well, right? So it's one of those ones where I'm like, I don't really feel like playing. 
but still, like I was telling you, it's kind of where poker is a hobby and poker for profit kind of starts leaning more towards playing as a side job rather as a hobby. Well, if you're trying to create steady income from it, I mean, it definitely, you definitely are going to have to play sometimes when you don't. Because, I mean, it's kind of hard to put that many hours in without a doubt. Uh, but that's, you know, it's... Like, I never, like, whenever people are like, well, I might play poker for a living, I don't think it's a really good, like, job full time. I mean, because you got to think, you got to, the games get harder as you get, as you go up the stakes. You don't have benefits, you don't have PTO, medical insurance. But as an extra income, I think it's great. But yeah, it, sometimes it's hard to get those hours in, though. But 100% of the time, um, you're taking, after that, so I rebought, uh, ran up a pretty decent stack, basically with those two hands. Um, well, those two hands. That one hand and maybe some other small ones. Yeah. <laughs> I was <just> say, <laughs> busting out did not help me run up a stack. But um, I ended up squeaking out, I mean, a, a pretty good profit for one, too. Uh, $378 after everything's said and done, which, I mean... For three hours and 20 minutes of play, you take that every day of the week. A hundred percent. You mean over a hundred dollars an hour at that point. I mean, granted, we know you got to average in all the losses and stuff, but I mean, for that session, yeah, a hundred percent, you're taking that every single time. And I would say probably one of the best feelings is when you don't feel like playing, you still go play and you squeak out a pretty good win. I think so. Cause a lot of times if you don't feel like playing and you go play and it's a loss, you're like, what was I even doing? So yeah, that's a really good good job squeaking out a win there. Um so then this brings us to our last session where we actually both met at Doghouse. Was I there before you? You know, I went there, had a family emergency that right. uh had to leave. And then you, uh, by the time I got back there, you were pl- you had gotten you had got there like twenty minutes I think before I got there because we were talking uh, when we were leaving. So you just barely squeaked out before me. Right, I, right. I forgot about the family emergency because I was thinking that uh, you were there before me, but not really. Um, I guess. Do you want to talk about how the location of doghouse now is just really kind of playing a pretty big role for us well i i've always wanted to kind of mix it up as far as poker rooms but man i tell you what some of these poker rooms the location is just it being so close to several other businesses that are all pretty nice there's a nice cajun restaurant that there's a you know that bucky's is right there uh, and I mean, here's the big thing is when you pull in the parking lot, it just feels like a very upscale, safe location. Right. Cause they have a lot of late night businesses that are open there as well. Yeah. Uh, same thing for like ones like at Katie 101, uh, and stuff like that. But I've just noticed when I'm going to these poker rooms that are either, that are, well, one, it being close by is not definitely not hurting it by any means. But just kind of in you know nicer areas, it just feels so much so much more fun when you're going there. So when you brought up the point that the location of Doghouse is really um, you're really enjoying it, I took it a completely different way. Whenever you said it, I thought you meant because I just moved to this side of town and you already live here, but or you've you've been here for a while on this side of town. 
I thought you meant it being nine minutes away, but you meant the actual location of the building compared to like other, other businesses being open. Cause for me being nine minutes away is just, I mean, that's the best situation for me possible. Oh yeah. You hate to drive everywhere. So we definitely know that. Uh, well, don't get me wrong. Like places that are closer to you, you're just more likely to go regardless. I mean, uh, that's a hundred percent. Uh, but like I say, I've kind of noticed just, you know, these places that are, you know, in a little bit nicer locations, it's just really helps the feel of it too. Uh, which most of the poker rooms are pretty okay. I'd say like Doghouse 101 and some of those like Prime maybe because it's got a lot of stuff close by. Uh, probably the, my top ones for those. And then there's obviously some. I'm not even going to mention them. Anybody in, who plays in Houston already knows who that where you know the poker rooms I'm talking about. Uh, it just when you pull up, you're like, oh god. <laughs> Right, so I have a, so I'll kind of explain to you the start of this session at least. So I show up to Doghouse, and I get right on a table, which is great, and I'm on the two hands of PLO, but this is actually a hold'em hand. So here, I'll go over this one with you. So I'm in the small blind. I get dealt pocket threes like my first hand, or my first playable hand. Okay. There's a straddle on. I call the the um, six. Everyone else calls a six. We're seeing this very multi-way right now. Almost everyone's calling the six. Um, the straddler then makes it 20. I call the 20. Guy to my left calls the 20. One or two other people call the 20. Uh, maybe, maybe one other person. Now, this guy who called the six puts in a three bet to 120. God, this is horrible. He has about 300 behind, maybe 350. The next guy, the original straddle, calls the 120, but he only has about 400 behind. It's on me. What do you do here? I mean, this is just an automatic fold. Yeah, I folded. Yeah, I mean, there's no... I mean, you're super sad if a three comes, but, I mean, there's no way you can justify this call here. The flop was six, eight, three, rainbow. Guy jams it all in with pocket kings. Guy um, folds. So, that would have been a pretty nice win for me. That would have been nice. But, I mean, you know, the math dictates that more often than not, you're just, I mean, you're just blowing $120 there. Well, like I always say, if the math gives you the odds, because I know sometimes whenever we talk about playing bigger games and someone will make it like 200, but if we both have 2,000 behind or 2,000, like 300 or whatever, I still make the call. Yeah. And I justify it because the math is there, but it has to work the other way. If the, if it's not there, you need to fold. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And I will say, I think a lot of people actually don't. I, I think a lot of people will use the math to justify stuff that they want to do, but kind of look the other way when it's a call they want to make. But I mean, yeah, this is just, yeah, yeah. It's just one of those, you were hoping to see a flop, but I mean, you just definitely can. I mean, definitely too bad. The straddler just didn't call the 20 and call it just, you know, Call it good. Wait, the straddler 
oh, it was straddled to six, and he made it 20 at opening it back up. Okay, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. That definitely sucks. Talk about rolling the dice with that dude with kings. He was um, the hijack. I mean, after everyone called a six, I mean, he's really counting on, you know, when the straddler to reopen. he was the hijack? <laughs> yeah. Was it, um, I, but I have done this before. When, if it's somebody who raises a lot from the straddle. Now, maybe it was a guy on my right who, um, in that PLO hand, had kings or whatever. Remember that PLO no, hand? No, I meant the, the guy who's straddling. That, it was him. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's it's a pretty risky play. I have done it when I notice it's someone who's just raising their straddle almost every time. I have done it before, but it has to be something like that where, I mean, you know, where it's like 75, 80% of the time that I'm going to be able to three bet here. I mean, uh, and then, you know, that 20%, you're just, you're sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay, here we go. I got... I got a hand for you. See, I want to see what line you would take with this hand. I'm in the straddle. I get eight nine. Um, off suit. Okay. It limps around to me. Um, I check it. Okay. Um. So okay. So I check it. The flop comes seven jack king with a flush draw. I mean. Uh, right now, I'm doing nothing. I mean, I don't. I mean, you have nothing but a, but a shitty gutter with four outs that, and might only be live to three outs. Like, what happens at this point? All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I make a play. It checks to me. I make a play for the pot. I bet fifteen. Which okay. is okay. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, how many people are in the hand? I think like three. Okay, that's that's probably fine. um three more than me. So four total. Okay. So the turn, and I was thinking once I called the once I bet the fifteen, and got um I think it was two callers. Right. It's kind of like eh, kind of done with this now. Yeah, I can unless you actually hit the straight, you're pretty much done. Oddly, I turned the six, giving me double gutted. Huh. Okay. So I the so now I have eight nine, and the board is six seven, Jack King. So any 10 gets me there, and any 5 gets me there. Okay. Um, I mean, turned equity. I bet 40. Checks me. I bet 40. Uh, only one guy calls. And now I'm kind of like, well, this is getting kind of dicey. The river pairs the king and brings in the front door flush. Hmm. He checks it over to me. I have eight high. Nine high. Oh, do I? Yeah, eight, sure do. Eight, nine, yeah. Eight, nine high. Are you checking through here? So, the two most likely things somebody's calling with are either a flush draw that they're not leaving, not... Uh, they're not gonna get away from or a top pair. I don't know. This this card seems to hit both of those. I don't know what I do in the moment. You asking me now, I think I I'm checking. Here's my thought behind it. 
one, the king pairing obviously makes it less likely as a king. Correct. I mean, obviously it's correct. Um, the flush draw coming in is not great. It's a little dicey. But I just told you, I think, I don't think it was on the podcast, but during the week, I've made some of these errors where I check behind a hand that should probably be bluffed and get shown like ace high, queen high, and feel like a complete chump. Okay, but what ace and queen highs are calling your bet on the flop and turn? This is the party game that, I mean, I still feel like on principle... I should be maybe putting in a bet. I mean, I I hate giving up after making a play for the pot, C betting on equity, or uh, betting the turn with uh, turning equity. I'll just say what happens. I bet okay. eighty five. He folds. Well, that's a good bet. I mean, I like to say I. Well, I mean, let's okay. Let's take the results oriented out of it. It is a good bet there, and it takes uh, and it wins the pot. I mean, so sometimes it's going to get called. I don't know. I just had a hard, I have a hard time finding hands that he would call the, the, call the flop and the turn with. I mean, like I say, I'd say, I would think top pair, top pair and a flush draw. And I mean, here's the thing is you could say, well, like, I could be betting the flush there. He's nobody, nobody at that game is folding trip kings. We know that, right? 100%. And nobody at that game is folding any kind of flush. Definitely not. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's one of those that he just called down with middle pair the entire way. And that, But I guess at that point you have to give it up. But seeing, I mean, yeah, I guess you actually just targeted that the, one of those few hands that he'd have there. Yeah, I was very happy that I actually pulled the trigger on that because I was debating it in the moment. And then I thought back to the conversation we'd had earlier in the week that um, I made a few odd checks whenever I um, feel like I really should put the bluff in that third bullet. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I mean, in that exact situation, I'm not sure certain that that's what I would do there. I think if if the if it was such a strange card, if it was a flush that. Is anybody folding top pair there either? I don't know. That's I'm glad that I will say that it was a good bet. That I'm glad that worked out. I mean, it's hard for me to get there logically, but I mean, it, like I say, you bet you won the pot, so that money it's yours. <laughs> oh, yep. Uh, well, I was thinking just once the king paired, I was just thinking less likely he has a king, and I just hope he didn't have a flush kind of thing. I guess I'm just I'm having a hard time finding a hand that he's getting here with. So, is was it the guy to your right who just didn't fold anything? Definitely not. He would have called. Oh, that's that's a good point. It was um the guy who ended up with a gigantic stack on like your left, like two. The guy who was at the Waffle House afterward in his truck with like the Astro shirt on. So actually, he was as far as I knew, he's a halfway decent player. Yeah, he's pretty good. He uh, he made some nice plays, and good calls. I'm a, yeah, I'm I'm blown away. I I can't. I'm having a hard time getting there with anything. But like I say, it seems like a nice bluff with nine high there. Well, if he thinks I'm doing the same thing with a flush draw, betting my flush draw down, maybe he's holding on with middle pair, just hoping that the flush doesn't come in. He's gonna hero call down because I had been caught bluffing a few times before that. Okay, well that makes a little more sense then. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I got caught bluffing, I mean, three or four times. <laughs> okay. That adds a little bit of context to that story then. Because then, like you say, he could be calling down with middle pair there. Right. Because, I mean, just on principle, I'm normally always bluffing. So, <laughs> I guess this was probably the last real interesting hand that happened this session for me. Um, but I get dealt Jack-10. Offsuit in the straddle. No, I was not in the straddle. Sorry. I'm trying to think back. I raised it from the button to 25 over a bunch of limpers. I get four callers. Okay. I'm thinking this has kind of gotten a little dicey. I did not expect four callers making it 25. Everyone put three in. Um, so 125 in the pot. You have Jack 10? Jack 10. Okay. Suited? Offsuit. Off Double okay. suited. Flop comes Jack 10, 5. Oh, what a flop. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was, but it has a flush draw. How much are you betting here? Would you say 125 in the pot, uh, three other players, four counting yourself. You just flop top two with the flush draw on the flop. Or there is a flush draw. You don't have it, obviously. Okay. Not a lot of king-queens here because they would have raised pre-flop. Uh, I think I'm betting... You know, I can't really go anywhere else. Uh, like, half, over pot, over half pot seems too much on a board you have locked down, like it locked up so well. Uh, but also, like, 8-9 is there for a straight draw. There's flush draws. Un, maybe just over pot. I mean, with there's being so many people in this hand. Uh, let's say 70, 65. I bet 85. I don't mind it. Um, I get one caller. The turn is a jack. Oh, wow. So he checks it. I start, what do they call it, like laying the, the twigs and the needles. I set the trap, and I check it behind. I, I need him to hit this flush draw, kind of catch up. Well, I mean, so when you told me this earlier, I actually kind of liked this check. But now thinking about what he could possibly have. Because if he has a flush draw, don't you want to bet here? Yes, but I think like a player like you or I, when drawing on a flush draw that's not the nuts because now the board's paired, can find it easier to let go. And also this guy only has 300 behind. Yeah, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you could not bet a lot here because he's laying down everything. Uh, I was just thinking like, I mean, it seems like you want to get, if he misses, you want to get value from eight, nine and two clubs because he might put you on trip jacks. It's unlikely he'd put you on a boat. Uh, but that, I can see the value of a check because if he hits a flush, you can just stack him. I check the river is a complete brick. Um, it's a six offsuit six. Okay. Um, so now the board is. 5, 10, jack, jack, 6 with a busted flush draw. Um, open uh, front door flush draw. He leads out for 125. Oh, wow. I then go all in to cover him for another like 250, 225. 
He just snap folds. Okay, so this seems like a busted flush draw that that uh, bluffed. I think so. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, that was about the last. I mean, I had that one interesting queen ten hand, but I didn't take very good notes on it. But I guess um, how do you end up doing that session? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I ended up making, I believe it was just over $500. So about $560. You had a nice little upswing lately. That's pretty nice. <laughs> Definitely enjoyable. Uh, I mean, there's a reason we covered your session first because my session was boring as shit. Uh, I uh, went there and I got a lot of suited connectors and a lot of low pocket pairs the nature of uh, poker being in texas it's ended up being a lot of multi-way pots where it's just a lot of missing uh i had one nice squeeze with ace queen where go for quick question for you how much you buy in for these suited connectors can kind of become unplayable at times right i understand when you're that card dead you kind of have to play cards just to keep yourself sane Okay, I think there's two... I have two reasonings for this. Well, okay, let's say three. Uh, you are right. One is just when you're playing for multiple hours. When I start taking... I've t- taken a lot of, like, when I'm short stack, like, suited one gappers out of the range and don't play those as much. Uh, one is, like you say, just to have, you know, once I get under that 20% range, it just... Poker becomes such a grind. Uh, number two is a lot of these are opened. They're not called, which I complete, I think is a completely different hand. Because if you're calling, you're mostly checking to the re- the preflop raiser. And you're... Uh, and you really don't... I mean, but it, when you're opening, you're also going to take this down with a lot of ace high flops, a lot of king high flops, and stuff like that. So, and then like... Three. I mean, I think I think this is very overrated, but it does provide some balance. I don't think at the games we need, we need a ton of balance, but it does provide a little bit. So, but you are right. Like short stack like that, definitely. I'm not looking for the majority of my hands to be suited connectors. Not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I will say though, when I first started playing and I was buying in for three hundred, I know you're buying in for a little bit more. <laughs> Still, the. I mean, what still seems to be the most effective way to win money consistently is just playing super tight and just oh. sitting there just waiting for really good hands. Oh, I mean, 100%. Like, I mean, if you want super optimal theory poker, well, I don't know. It's... So, we also have this uh, conversation, like, uh, in, like, on Reddit at one point, I posted a hand. It was Ace-10. And everybody's like, well, Ace-10 offshoot suits just a fold. They're like, you can look at the charts and all that. I'm like, yeah, but the charts are not going by table. I'm like, if I'm at a table where everybody's going to play every single Ace, then you only have Ace-Jack, Ace-Queen, Ace-King that are beating me. But everybody's going to play Ace Deuce, Ace Three, Ace Four, Ace Five. Then, I mean, if I'm folding Ace Ten there, that's a disaster. Well, I mean, you have players who are more interested in getting an Ace and also getting their next, you know, beer, tequila shot, whatever. They're not looking at the chart. Yeah. 
So it's uh, so I mean you can like it's a good guide to go by, but I mean I will say this: the tighter, the easiest way to beat p- poker at low stakes is just to play super tight. Because I mean, yeah, your percentages will go up because you're just that much more of a favorite. Uh, problem is, you might go insane. So I mean, just uh, but a lot of these are suited connectors. A lot of these are low pairs, and it's just misses. Uh, had one squeeze with Ace Queen where it's raised to twenty two callers. And I just jam for like two two something. Uh, get a f- round of folds. I have jack ten and flop a straight and bet it for three streets and get called. Uh, so th- those were nice hands, but overall, not a lot of coolers or anything. It's just a lot of flops and missing. Uh, so the session, which is just gonna happen some sessions. I mean, I'm not torn up about it because that's just part of poker. Negative two thirty for that session. Yeah, I mean, I had texted you that maybe instead of leaving, because it looked like you were leaving. It looked like you guys were doing sweats, right? I did a, I did one sweat and actually won that, and then went to play at your (laughs) table, and then just dunked off (laughs) because I was about even. And I was like, and then I looked over and I was like, are you going to play a little while? Because we were looking at maybe recording the podcast afterwards, and you're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I just took the seat next to you, and then that didn't go very well for me. <laughs> yeah, well, the game was very good that I was at. That was really as shocking, because I saw open and seat at your table, and usually we'll try to play at the same table a lot. But I was like, the the game I was at, the the other the table I was at, seemed like it was good, because there was a drunk guy going crazy, just all this, like, you know, usually the louder and more social the table is, the better the table. Mine was much more louder and social. Yours was by far the better game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got on the transfer list, just saw how loud and obnoxious your table was, but then how good my table was. I said, just take me off the list. I'll stay here. Yeah, I should have probably texted you and asked, but, I mean, I just assumed that my table was better because it had all the... Everything you would look at made it look like my table was the better was the better of the two. But yeah, no, yours was by far the better one. Right, absolutely. I guess is there anything else that we're missing for this week, or is that going to conclude things? Uh, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, we're going to try to knock out some sessions this coming week, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully, we can uh, take uh, ha- bring home a winning link. Absolutely. This has been the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.